Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in. Welcome to Homesteading and Gardening in the Suburbs. I'm Emma from Misfit Gardening. And I know most gardeners are wanting that perfect garden, right? Seeing your vegetable crops flourish, there's lots of fruits that are just ripe for the picking. Oh, that first red tomato of the season. Like, have you ever looked on Instagram or Pinterest or even YouTube at garden tours or pictures of gardens generally? Like, a few minutes down that rabbit hole just leaves one having a really strange need to attain a mythological creature known as the perfect garden, right? No garden is perfect. Not every garden has got, you know, ideal soil or enough sun, right? Some of us have drainage problems or, you know, we don't have enough protection from the critters in our garden, right? You know, some people are battling squirrels that are constantly in their garden. Other people, it's raccoons, right? It it really depends on what you have. But there's a couple of things that we can do as gardeners and stewards of the land to help our little patch grow and flourish. So today I want to talk about nine tips for a more productive garden because sometimes we all need a little bit of a helping hand and these are some strategies that I've used in my garden and these are definitely ones that I'm going to be using in my new garden. So let's dig in. My first one is succession sowing and you might be fed up with me mentioning this gardening trick but I feel that it is so very underused in the garden it's worth mentioning repeatedly. (laughs) Um, Succession sowing is your friend homesteaders and you basically sow seeds every two weeks of fast growing veggies to help keep your harvest going. Now if you notice that your plants are not looking too good um, you can sow more seeds so you can pull out those plants that are diseased and replace them with healthy young seedlings. If your plants recover and you don't need your seedlings that you've sown, that's that's fine. You could try growing your seedlings um, in a pot or container, which would then um, increase your harvest yield. So don't underestimate using containers, even though you already have, you know, your garden beds all done and they're planted. Like, you know, don't feel bad about, you know, getting creative with some garden containers. One of the the best gardens that I remember was my parents and it was, you know, way after like I'd left home and it was before I'd moved um, over here to the US and my dad had like little bags of compost that he'd like sprinkled some seeds in. I think he'd had like lettuce or something in it. And he was just growing out of that. And I was like, what's this, dad? And he's like, oh, it's just some, you know, it's an old grow bag that I had. And I didn't want to throw the compost away. So I just tried sowing some seeds in it. And it worked. So don't, don't, you know, feel bad about getting creative. Get creative in the garden. And, you know, in doing that, he increased his, you know, lettuce growing quite, quite significantly he had you know seven or eight um you know lettuce plants growing quite happily in there in otherwise compost that he was going to throw out so that leads me to number two now if your soil is a little lacking then you will want to do a little side dressing of your plants and that's going to help give them a bit of a nutritious boost what is side dressing emma you might be asking well it is 
basically giving your plants a little snack by sprinkling a little compost or well-rotted manure or an organic unrealisted fertilizer around the base of your plants. It isn't something you do every week, but a couple of times throughout the growing season. I don't know why it's called side dressing. I, I've always known it as side dressing. It might be called something else. Um, my grandparents told me it was called that because you did it from the side so you would give like a little handful of compost and you would just kind of put it to one side of the plant which is why it was called side dressing I don't know how true that is um, but if if you are inclined and you want to look that up and let me know then definitely let me know in the Facebook group I'd be really interested um, to find out but side dressing is something again that's not often you know really talked about in the garden but it is one of those things that actually helps give your plants a good boost throughout the growing season so if you've got a new garden and you're not quite sure of the soil quality you know keep a good eye on your plants and how they're growing and if it looks like they need a little bit of a boost then you could look to doing side dressing you could also look to use something like a you know DIY you know natural liquid fertilizer that you've made um, but if that's too much hassle which I get it it's too much hassle sometimes and you may not necessarily want to have buckets of water and you know comfrey kind of sitting around in there because you know you're creating a habitat for the dreaded mosquito like I get it but side dressing doesn't involve you having to steep you know bits of um you know plants in water to rot down to then turn into you know a liquid feed it's just kind of putting some compost or well-rotted manure to the side so that might be something that you want to um have a go with instead all right, let's talk about mulch. Uh, so I mulch after I side dress with compost. Compost can be used as a mulch too, but I like to cover it again. So I like to use straw or long clippings around the plants to cover that compost and soil. It helps keep water in and best of all, best of all, it keeps the weeds down. So using mulches like compost or straw, seaweed, lawn clippings. Lawn clippings you can use as long as you don't use weed killer on your lawn. All right, you don't want that coming into the garden because that's going to kill off your beloved veggies that you're trying to grow. Um, so, you know, you want to have something that is natural that is going to break down for your mulch. I loved you know seaweed right seaweed was a really good one it's been years since i've been able oh my gosh i need to look at using seaweed oh my goodness i i don't know why i didn't think of that until now and i i'm recording this podcast so when i lived in the uk i live really close to the seaside so i would often you know take the dogs for a walk on the beach and i would you know go for a run um <laughs> it was a long time ago now it's like donkeys years ago but one of the things that i loved was you know i was able to have a seaweed and use it in the garden now of course that was a long time ago um, so, you know, definitely would need to check the regulations and I definitely need to look at the regulations here in Maine to see whether that is something I can actually do. So before heading off with a bucket and spade and you wanting to collect seaweed for the garden, um, you know, definitely make sure that you check with the regulations because we don't want to be doing something that we shouldn't. But, you know, seaweed was a really great mulch in the garden because you just rinse the salt off and then cover that, you know, on top of the soil 
and you know eventually it would break down it brings in all of these trace minerals into the soil um, which can be a real benefit for your plants but you know if you don't live near the, the ocean anymore or you're not able to harvest seaweed due to regulations and stuff that's totally fine you don't need it for your garden um you know good old compost or you know long clippings straw anything that is going to break down and uh, feed the soil long term is going to you know work just great for the garden um you will need to reapply mulch periodically throughout the growing season because earthworms and other creatures are helping break them down and take them down into the soil where they can work their magic in feeding your plants right mulches are great mulches can serve water in the soil which means that you have to water less in the garden and of course you know having fewer weeds means that you can spend more time actually enjoying the garden rather than hoeing weeds out between the rows or being on your hands and knees and pulling them out by hand so i love to combine side dressing with compost with mulching because i'm able to kind of provide you know sort of slow release methods of feeding the plants that's going to help not only improve the soil structure because we're adding more organic matter to the soil we're bringing more earthworms into our garden space which is only a good thing and of course we're going to be having all those other benefits of you know more nutrition more moisture retention and our plants are going to thank us for it so that's another tip all right let's move on to tip number four which is the power of flowers um companion plants are great i have done a couple of podcasts and blog posts about them and planting more flowers or flowering plants is going to help bring the pollinators that will help pollinate your edible flowering plants so if you're seeing flowers on your squashes your cucumbers melons watermelons beans peas okra chilies sweet peppers and eggplant just to name a few um and you only see flowers but they're not forming fruit then you might want to think about bringing in the pollinators so if you've noticed a a bit of a trend in the garden where you're growing these things but they're not um setting fruits or you just notice generally that there's not a lot of bees or other pollinators about then try growing some flowers in and around the garden to help attract these things to where you're growing your veggies right you want to be thinking simple flowers because those seem to bring in um, the pollinators the best so things like cosmos or nasturtium petunia um scented blooms like sweet william or bergamot are also lovely but very popular um in other gardens like particularly like kind of pottager gardens or allotments in the uk like i saw sweet william growing all the time my grandmother grew sweet william right by um her garden patch <laughs> oh this the, i mean this the scent of sweet william and sweet peas um sweet peas are not edible neither's um sweet william but the the smell of those just kind of takes me back to my grandmother's garden and she would have them growing you know near the garden um you know but she, she was always very you know careful to explain like you can't eat these these are not edible so she didn't have like the sweet peas growing in the garden where you know us as kids could um get them muddled up with the edible um peas so she kind of had them off to the side but the sweet peas were just 
like alive with all of these pollinators there and then you know the pollinators then obviously saw you know the flowers on the beans and the flowers on the the actual peas you know the edible peas and all of the the other plants that were growing in there that needed the pollination so it was a great way to to bring them in but one of the things that um you know we don't just want to concentrate on our daytime pollinators there's also pollinators at night there's various moths um that are you know pollinators of loofah or gourds and um i think also um bitter melon is another one that is pollinated at night by by moths um so you know having plants that are you know evening scented like night scented um nicotiana for example those are going to help draw in those moths or um you know the pollinators on an evening that are going to help with the pollination of your loofah and gods and things like that so you know if you're having um trouble with some of these plants actually forming fruit maybe also try growing some flowers as well um but if the flowers are not working then there is always tip number five which is hand pollination and if you're a bit impatient waiting for the bees to do their thing i get it i am probably one of the world's greatest impatient people um which is somewhat ironic with my garden because i'm quite patient at the garden i'm pretty patient at crochet um but for the rest of the stuff i'm very very impatient but hand pollinating is a a good skill to have especially if you are going to dig into the wonderful realm of plant breeding and seed saving you'll need like a cotton swab or a fine paintbrush they're they're a great tool for a beginner to pollinate stuff right you can pollinate peppers eggplant watermelon squash cucumbers gods okra peas beans right there's there's so many plants that we can pollinate and all that we do is we just pick up pollen from the anthers on the brush of the cotton swab and then we're going to lightly brush that pollen over the stamen of um the flower and you, you want to do that on all of the open flowers on your plant or the plants that you're wanting to pollinate to increase those chances of fruit production by fruit i mean you know a squash forming a bean forming a pepper forming etc um if you can um you want to use like a separate brush or a cotton swab for each plant type um you know so have one for your melon another one for your okra or whatever it's not going to hurt if you if you don't um but it might improve your chances of the actual pollen from that you know plant species being transferred onto that stamen right and, and we want to help our plants have the best chance that they can so if you're wanting to do a little heirloom seed saving and you only want to pollinate flowers of the same variety of several plants so let's say that you have amish melons and you have three plants in one area of the garden and over on the other side of the garden you've got another melon variety that you're trying you know let's say it's missouri gold so you want to save your seeds from your amish melons so to keep them as amish melons you want to be pollinating the amish melon plants only you don't want to pollinate your missouri gold melon plant and then you know take that same brush or swab over to your amish melons 
because that's going to cross-pollinate um, and cross-pollinate those varieties. And that's great if you're wanting to do some seed breeding or you want to create your own varieties, which I feel as a gardener is something we should all try to do. But it's not something that if you want to keep your varieties true to type or be the same as that parent plant that you want to happen. So you need to kind of consider that for your garden and seed saving um you know how how is that going to work for your garden like what are the things that you're wanting to to grow and save because you're going to need to take into account you know protecting those plants that you want to keep true to type from accidental cross-pollination um and also you know making sure that you've got enough space between those plants to prevent it accidentally happening from you know the pollinator um insects that are about in your garden all right number six harvest regularly uh this is an easy one so there's some plants that are uh let's say green beans peas uh cucumbers peppers aubergine or eggplant um indeterminate tomatoes those are ones that produce tomatoes readily throughout the season not all in one go um courgette zucchini summer squash um all these are example of plants that are more productive if you harvest them regularly so the loss of the fruiting part that we eat on the plant makes the plant produce more flowers and more fruits to replace those that have been picked. And if we leave things too long on the plants, they basically put their energy into producing seeds, which sometimes means that the part of the plant that we eat really isn't edible for us anymore. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a cucumber that has been forgotten on the plant vine that's gone all, you know, brown and yellow and kind of manky looking. Like that's probably not something that you're going to want to eat, but it's great for seeds. But you you might notice that as the bigger the fruits get on the plant, the fewer fruits that are being produced are. And that's because your plant is putting all that energy into producing the seeds and producing the plants that are there. So if we are picking them over regularly and harvesting regularly, we're going to get more from it. Now for green beans, this is a good trick to do um, if you're wanting some stuff for green beans and then later on in the season you want to just leave you know your bean pods on the plant to then produce either super drying beans or or for the seeds so it's a trick that you can use either way but just know that harvesting regularly means that you're going to improve that productivity of the garden with the plants that you have already growing so it's a handy trick to think about and have in your gardening toolbox all right number seven is shade and this one takes a bit of planning and knowing your land but you can use larger plants to provide shade to other plants that are a bit more sensitive to rising temperatures and sun damage so um try planting cauliflower or broccoli lettuce as an example those ones um readily kind of form flowering heads and bolt when it gets a little bit too hot no dog i said bolt not vault <laughs> dogs right underneath the table as i'm recording this and he's like oh you said my name no no i didn't <laughs> oh dear um so when when plants are um stressed out um certain plants will send up a flowering spike right we call that bolting or running to seed and it's it's more common in you know later on in the season when you know the temperatures are a lot warmer the sun's beating down a lot so if we can figure out how our sun is moving across 
our garden we can figure out like where the shade is going to be cast from taller growing plants so if we planted our cauliflower and our broccoli and our lettuce in a position where a taller plant and now let's say sunflowers for example are going to shade them in the afternoon that's going to help reduce the amount of heat stress that they've got later on in the day it's not going to prevent them from bolting or flowering completely but it's going to help extend their growing a little bit longer in summer because they're having some respite from the sun now if you don't have um, an opportunity to kind of figure out where things are going or you know it's late in the season when you're listening to this and you know things are getting stressed out or you know this also helps for peppers and tomatoes like in areas where super hot summers are you can scotch the fruits on your plant um sun scotch was a common issue that i had where i lived in utah depending on where the plants were growing so i ended up moving um my tomato plants to where they would get shade from the fence line um, on the afternoon and that like stopped the sun scorch problems because in the afternoon where that sun was really beating down on them um, it stopped you know beating down on them and they got some shade so that really helped uh, resolve that issue but if you don't have tall plants or you don't have anything that's going to be able to cast shade over then you might want to think about investing in some shade cloth to give your plants that break from um, the heat of the sun they have them where they let in you know a certain amount of light so you can get a different shade cloth that will allow in a different percentage of light and that's going to help your plants keep growing right they need light to keep growing um but it will help prevent some of the problems caused by having all of that sun um beating on them so that's just a a little tip for you um my next tip tip eight and this is kind of a, a weird one i guess um but it's don't be afraid like don't fear pulling out plants to put in something else right if your radishes or lettuces or spinach is you know bolting and sending up flower spikes early in the season right don't feel obliged to save seed from it remember this is your garden and you grow it how you want to um i mean i definitely don't save seed from the first plants that go to seed in the garden that are leafy greens or radishes like as i'm creating my land race varieties for this homestead i'm looking for plants that are slow to bolt right so i can get more pickings from the plants before that heat stresses them out and triggers flowering and seed saving so i save seed from the plants that flower later in the season for those types of crops right i'm gonna get more harvests from them if it's early in the season right and let's say i see a lettuce that's showing signs of flowering right it's going to get tall and kind of weird looking um i'm going to pull it out and put it in the compost and i will sow seed or transplant another seedling into the place now you might be wondering what do i put in or sow in the place and my answer to you my friend is that it really depends on where we are in the growing season um if the frost hasn't passed yet i might sow another lettuce or a kale or a few carrots maybe a beet or two and sometimes it's just down to whatever seeds i have in my gardening basket okay at the time like there's there's nothing more to it than you know like oh i've got these seeds already here well, i'll just put some in in there right um if the frost has passed um then i have been known to sow a bush bean randomly um i love beans 
as you guys may know already. <laughs> um, but I also sow herbs like basil or cilantro and coriander, um, you know, in the space. It just wants to be something that's small, something that's going to grow in that space and something that's going to be relatively quick to grow, right? I'm not necessarily going to you know put in the space you know a pumpkin vine or a tomato plant or something like that um but i might if it's an area where i am growing something you know just for the spring and then once the frost date last frost date in spring has passed you know then i will want to be putting those you know warm weather crops in there then i i might but it that's what i mean by it, it really kind of depends on where we are in the growing season when those things um sort of happen um the same goes for plants um you know bigger plants that are succumbing to disease right let's talk about tomatoes for example if you've got a number of trusses on your tomato plant and you're trying to say see if they will ripen before the rest of the plant like dies off right if that plant is riddled with blight or something else you're probably going to be better off cutting the trusses of the tomatoes off the plant bringing those trusses of tomatoes inside, putting them by a sunny window and letting them ripen indoors and pulling that diseased plant out of the garden because you're going to reduce the risk of that disease spreading further in the garden. Sometimes it's better off to um, sacrifice that plant and pull it out to help everything else in your garden grow better because certainly when it comes to diseased plants, like I really don't want them hanging around in the garden because the longer that they're there, the more likely they are to spread to the other plants that are nearby, which are doing okay for now. Um, so don't be afraid to pull things up if you need to. It's okay, right? And, you know, even in the case of like the bigger tomato, right? Let's say that we, we had to whip that out because, you know, it's diseased and, you know, okay, we've got some, some little tomatoes. They're not quite the size that I was hoping for, but I've got some tomatoes and they are ripening. They're going to ripen a lot slower, but they, you know, they will eventually ripen. Um, you know, I could put something else in that space that's maybe not, um, you know, an issue for, blight right i could maybe so um i don't know some root crops or something in the space maybe i'll put in some carrots or maybe i'll put in some beets right i don't want to leave that space particularly i can still use it to grow something um but i just have to grow something else in that space if that makes sense all right and number nine so the last one of today's podcast is tripolyculture and that's where you grow different plants together it's also like companion planting right some plants have total besties that they work well together like tomato and basil or tomato and cilantro they grow really well when they're together i like to grow my herbs under my tomatoes it makes them easier to pick you know pick things for dinner like oh oh okay i've got some tomatoes oh okay i'll get some basil arm down here right um you know it makes it a lot easier for me but you know you're also getting more from the space that you have by growing plants together um beets and cilantro is another good one cucumber and radishes um carrots and onions garlic and lettuce those grew well together for me too there's so many different combination of plants that work well together but of course the classic is the three sisters of corn squash and beans right there's some planning that is needed when you do this though um the corn needs time to grow before you can plant your beans because beans are really fast growing they're going to overtake the corn so 
you want to get your con out first they need to grow and become tall enough to actually provide a support for your climbing beans so cons usually the first to go in i when i've grown this method i was able to grow beans and squash and sow those seeds at the same time now that i've moved i don't know that i'm going to have that luxury so it's going to be a bit of an experiment to find out so it might be that the beans need to go in after the corn's grown a certain height um so there's time for those beans to actually grow and get out of the way of where you know the squash vines are going to form a carpet and block out everything maybe i can put the beans outside um and then have you know a squash plant starting much earlier indoors and then transplant that out later it's all kind of going to depend and one of the things that you know and i guess this goes back to don't be afraid like don't be afraid to experiment a little bit in the garden but keeping notes and practicing these things um in your garden having that journal to go back to so you can really repeat your successes and take your learnings from the previous year to try something new right that's going to really help your garden flourish it's going to help you um, capitalize on things that work well in the garden that you have and the space that you have and how you can really get more from your garden so i would love to know from you what's your favorite tip to get more from your garden how do you improve productivity in your garden let me know over in the facebook group and until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i will see you next week